Hello and welcome to the very first episode of This is Birth. My name is Megan Lloyd-Smith and I am a birth doula and educator living in Auckland, New Zealand. In this very first episode, I talk to Chloe, who at the time of recording is about a month out from having her second baby. We talk about the journey to her having her first baby at home in her childhood home because she was living at home at the time. That's a lot of homes. <laughs> and we then talk about her journey to her pregnancy to having her second baby. We talk about exercise in pregnancy. We talk about stepping into your power and owning your birth. Um, and it's just such a lovely conversation and I really hope you enjoyed as much as I did talking to Chloe. If you like this episode and you'd like to hear more conversations around birth, um, what it's actually like, the real ins and outs of everyone's experiences, as well as talking to um, experts and birth workers in the birth world, stay tuned and subscribe to the podcast, This Is Birth. You can also find us on Instagram at this.is.birth.nz. I hope you enjoy. So I've been following Chloe on Instagram over the last few months and um, yeah, just being just been really inspired by what you've been sharing on your journey with your second little baby. So maybe we could start off with that. Just give us a little overview of who you are, um, of your whanau, um, yeah, and where you are in your journey on the second pregnancy. Thank you. Um, kia ora, my name is Chloe Kartini. I am based in Napier, Hawke's Bay, and we are just about to welcome our second little peepee into the world in a month's time. Who knows, it might even be on my 30th birthday, which will be... Oh, cool. <laughs> Interesting. <be> really <laughs> Yeah. Um, otherwise, I'm a stay-at-home mum at the moment um, that enjoys sharing about birth, motherhood, just all the things on Instagram at the moment and I have aspirations to homeschool my children if that's what they wish in the future so who really knows it all unfolds as it should yeah it does doesn't it <laughs> yeah and you're also quite into your fitness I'll ask you this now because I um, I haven't been following too closely, but yeah, tell us a little bit about, because I think that's also one of your passions, obviously, through pregnancy and motherhood, is everything about fitness, it seems. Yeah, that is one of my huge passions, just from a young age, um, moving and exercising. And I realized when I was pregnant with our son that I knew nothing about helping pregnant and postpartum women. And it made me really reflect on some of the ways I'd interacted with mums or advice, which really wasn't advice at all, um, and just how I could um, step up in that space and be more of help to women. So I'm still exploring that and how that will all unfold. But I think I, I'd like to start in the realm of helping um, pregnant uh, people stay active. Mm -hmm. Instead of taking on the whole lot right now, we'll focus on pregnancy. Yeah. So, yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, because you're right, like so much changes during pregnancy. And if you are someone who has been moving and exercising, just knowing how to do it um, safely, correctly, I think is really important. Yeah. Yeah. And to remember that we're all individuals. So, what might be safe, <laughs> um, all those little finger marks, yeah, yeah, yeah. what Inquiry might be safe. <laughs> 
necessarily safe for the other person. So it's really about connecting with the individual and what works for them and their bodies. And is that a passion of yours or is that also work that you've been doing? Is that part of your career? (laughs) Um, It actually came about while, yeah, I was pregnant and I happened, some friends were delivering a business course at the same time. So we all threw it all in together and it's just been slowly evolving Mm. in the last two years. Um, I'm not someone to just jump into things without... uh, Without a bit of a plan, so I've yeah. Unless it's a podcast episode. (laughs) (laughs) This pregnancy, I trusted that um, it would refine itself, and I would find more of the direction that I wanted to go, Mm. which I think has been the case. Mm. Awesome, like living through it, so you can teach it. That that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So should we go back to your first birth and maybe you just want to talk a little bit about um, your beliefs about birth before you got pregnant? Like, did you always want to plan a home birth? Maybe you can just tell us a little bit about your your birth. Uh, that'd be quite nice. Yeah, sure. Uh, to be honest, I had never considered my thoughts on birth, on pregnancy, mm. until you read those two <laughs> lines. <laughs> you go, What have I just got myself? (laughs) So for us, it was a huge surprise. It was not what we were expecting. We were in the middle of traveling Europe at the time. Um, Yeah, I'd never given much thought to how I might want to birth. Um, So that was a lot um, to process really quickly. Nine months is still a long time, but there's so much to learn in that time also. Um, but I dove straight in. I went straight to home birth videos on YouTube. Um, just um, that that seemed the most appealing thing to me. And I don't know where that came from. Mm. Maybe it was seeing other people online who had achieved home birth. So it just, that was the option for me. Mm. And that's what I um, worked towards. At the same time, though, while we were living in the UK, um, COVID had hit. So I didn't know if I would see a midwife and I panicked a little bit and thought, well, what can you do for yourself if you never come in contact with a midwife? How can you support yourself through this journey to birth your baby uh, Yeah, without, without that help right in front of you? So that was kind of my mentality going through it, that I could take responsibility for the whole process. Mm, that's amazing. Um, yeah, <laughs> sort of a blessing in disguise, I suppose, because you almost nudged down that path because you knew you didn't have any other choice potentially if it was middle of COVID and no midwives could show up exactly. or, or you couldn't even go to hospital. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I definitely could have avoided the situation and panicked and made it bigger than it was, but I chose to hunker down and tune into me and what I can do for me. So, yeah, I definitely see it as a blessing because I don't believe – I would have taken that same path if it wasn't for the COVID circumstances. Wow, yeah. yeah. Um, so when did you come back to New was, Zealand? Did you spend a lot of time? I came, in we came back in June, July 2020, and I was about 22 weeks pregnant at that point. I was cutting it fine. <laughs> right, right, yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it was the best decision that we ever made to come back once um, 
I'd birthed my son. I realised the UK would have been a shocking place to have started our parenting journey. Definitely a different, different, different place. <laughs> totally, totally. But it all, um, we ended up with a four and a half hour labour, which totally uh, took me by surprise uh, after all the learning and education that I went through. That steamed pretty quick, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking I've got eight to 12 hours yeah. to go here. Practice all the techniques then... to do all the things. and. <laughs> So when I had him in my arms, wow. I was in such like what what just happened? I just woke up a few hours ago, and yeah, so he was born at home um, in my childhood home because we're currently living with my parents, which was really special. Uh, however, there were some decisions that were made um, by my midwife immediately after birth um, that left me questioning a lot of things and I later uncovered um, that it was birth trauma and that was really hard to put a finger on because the birth was so beautiful and I didn't know that simply um, not being communicated to immediately post-birth with certain decisions if there's complications that can be birth trauma and that's um, what led into this pregnancy and the decisions I've made this time, all the learnings. Would you like to share some of those things from your first birth or would you like to maybe just share the, the learnings if you don't want to share some of those details, um, just of like how you would do things differently or how you are doing things differently this time around? Yeah. Um, uh, one of the things that really um, challenged me and I reflected upon later, uh, there were a few, roughly 10 minutes post-birth, and the midwife wasn't happy with how he was coming around. He wasn't constantly crying. It was on and off. Um, and then at one point, she just said, right, we need to cut the cord now. And he was taken away into the room next door and looked after, which is great. You know, he was taken care of. However, I was disappointed that there was no communication up until that point um, and that it made me feel removed from the process mm. and that something was broken and I wasn't allowed to have a say in that. This is just what happens. Mm -hmm. This is how it goes. Uh, and I've later learnt other things that I can incorporate into this birth. So if he, if this baby, for example wasn't um, responding the way the midwives would like. Can we please keep him attached to his umbilical cord? Can we have communication prior about my options and how we can um, get this baby to come around uh, if we need to get out of a pool so that I can remain attached to this baby? Is this possible? I think the main thing came down to communication yeah. and just talking through each of the steps So I felt a part of the process yeah. and like you say that's that's really important in terms of how then you reflect back on your experience yeah 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 for sure so then um we chatted a little bit about that almost um 
putting you into a decision of whether or deciding whether you wanted to free birth this time around. So talk to us a little bit about that. And yeah, maybe also you could explain from your perspective what free birth um, to you would mean, because I know to some people it might mean slightly different things. Um, and then, yeah, where you are now in terms of your decisions. Yeah, there's all these names for the different ways to do birth, like wild pregnancy, free birth yeah. and whatever of it. <laughs> But birth is birthing you define Indeed, yeah. what it means to you and how you want to see that through. Um, but one of the things I learned from doing the free um, healing birth practitioner course with Carla um, was that one of the outcomes of birth trauma can leave you with a mistrust in the system. So at the same time of having this full belief in my body and my baby to um, we can do it on our own. I also had the darker side of the mistrust in the system, um, which led to my decision to free birth. Um, and I was excited, uh, scared at the same time. There's a lot of things that go into processing um, your steps towards uh, undertaking that. <laughs> But I knew that there would be great learnings as well. However, <laughs> we currently live with my parents. And uh, this idea of free birthing uh, without any medical professionals present really, really challenged them. And they asked if I could have a midwife present. And as much as I know that it's who I want in the room, who... Who, who I need to feel supported by. Um, I also knew that the feelings it was bringing up, that this was a place that I needed to step into to heal that mistrust in the system. Um, because the last place I wanted that to pop up was in birth. Yeah. And some of those fears and uh, negative thoughts can pop up at the craziest of times in birth. It's so unpredictable as it is. Um, that was not the place that I needed it to pop up. So I went in search of midwives. And I found four, not wow. not just one, a group of four. <laughs> yeah, going from zero. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> four that just are so in sync with each other. I remember having a conversation with one of them. And I said, you know, I see this as a collaboration for uh, the two of us. And she said, yeah, I agree. Actually, no. You as the birthing person, you are at the top. Mm. You are at the top. Then it's us. Mm. And I was like, wow, yeah, actually, thanks for <laughs> putting that back into perspective mm. for me. It yeah. is us yeah. at the top. Yeah. And, and core in the middle of all the decisions that get made. And then like you did mention collaboration, but then it's you driving that collaboration rather than, yeah, sometimes when it's just the other way around of, this is what we allow you to do. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so it's been a beautiful journey, actually, to come out the other side and to be, to feel safe within the system <laughs> again, which that. is not something yeah. I expected to come up in this pregnancy mm. uh, I really love yeah. how you identified that as a point of healing or an opportunity for thinking differently like you say to rather go from the fear-based way of making that decision to actually know this is just this is just how it is and this is your opportunity to 
go with trust again rather than choosing a free birth out of fear um you know like yeah and I definitely struggled with the idea as well because there's so much information on social media there's um you know, people with very strong beliefs, which is great as well. But it can, when you're stuck in the middle, it can be very overwhelming as well. So I was thinking, it's my right to have whoever I want in the rooms. But I also live in this house. Does that mean they might kick me out? <laughs> then where will I be? <laughs> all these, all these thoughts. But it just meant that there were really deep discussions to have, and it's actually been a place of healing. Um, between myself and my parents as well because we've never had deep discussions like this before so what a whirlwind of a time (laughs) this pregnancy has been yeah yeah (laughs) that's awesome so going back I think to your um first pregnancy was there anything specific like a a book that you read, read that sort of changed your view or anything that you did during that pregnancy that you really think um had an impact on your birth or was it just you immediately from the beginning going and watching those home birth videos and probably because how old is your little boy he's two-ish he's almost two almost two yeah so I think like in the last two years also social media has come such a far away with the type of content that you see on social media you do see more home births more um out of the the you know the, the the normal system type births so yeah I can imagine that played a bit of a role in in yeah, leading up to your first birth? Yeah, back then, I, I wasn't even a strong user of Instagram back then. So I turned to YouTube. Yeah. And there's really poor on YouTube. They're far and few between. But the one game changer for me was I stumbled across the Positive Birthing Company's uh, book, an online course. Oh, yes. I think recommendations that the book was far better than the course. Mm. So I found a secondhand copy of that in the UK for, I think, $10, which is a great investment. Um, And the part that really... um, that really sold me on our abilities to birth is the anatomy and physiology of how the uterus um, contracts and moves mm-hmm. throughout labour. Mm-hmm. Um, that really got, you know, my exercise mind yeah, yeah, going, yeah. this path of the body. That's what sold me on it. And after that, it was straightforward, let's go. And I think I was only 15 weeks pregnant mm-hmm. at that point so it's powerful to come across at that early stage yeah 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 so who did you have as your support team for your first birth so you had your midwives um obviously your partner um was there anyone else any other of your family or how did yeah how were you supported through I suppose it was so quick <laughs> also but yeah. but yeah leading up to it yeah yeah and I'm glad none of them listened to me because when I told them it would take hours, don't rush yeah. home, none of them listened to me. So thank, <laughs> thankfully, mm. uh, my partner turned up first. Then my mum showed up asking if we'd filled the pool. Mm. She was probably about three and a half hours in. <laughs> no, we hadn't filled the pool, so she rushed to do that. Mm. <laughs> then my dad turned up, and my midwife was actually the last to turn up. I think she was half an hour before mm. He was born, which was perfect because it left me uninterrupted, free to do my thing. And, yeah, Yeah. it just worked out so perfectly 
with without much thought or planning or anything. Yeah. That's awesome. And your postpartum period, were you quite intentional about it with your with your first? Because I know you've been talking a little bit about yeah, planning for those first week, two weeks, six weeks after birth with your your second. Um yeah, so did you did you do anything like that for the first? I definitely tried, but I didn't realise how much of a high I'd be on after birth. Mm. So I invited people over oh, yeah. the next day. Wow. Which was a instant regret, yeah. <laughs> Come and see my beautiful miracle. So... Yeah, I just wanted to show mm. them off. Um, uh, other than that, I think my mind back then was so fixed on returning to exercise safely that I gave myself time uh, with respect to exercise, not really to do with anything else mental, emotional, um, but it ended up working out um, quite fine. I, I didn't go for my first walk until 20 days after birth, which is something that I'd like to stick to again this time. Um, and I'd really like to properly implement the 555 <laughs> rule this time instead of getting can you talk a little bit more about that the five 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 yeah yeah um five days in the bed five days on the bed five days around the bed so slowly 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 moving further and further away from the bed and introducing other things slowly there's no rush Mm -hmm. there's no, no rush at all. And I suppose the benefit of living with your family at the moment is that you will have that support of food and washing and all those things that still go on, even now that you've got this this little baby that still needs <laughs> to be taken care of. So yeah, support, support I think is, yeah, is so important. And planning that beforehand, like, especially if you're not living with um, family members. So yeah, I'm sure you can just talk to the benefits of having that close contact with people, you know, people that you know, just being there, just helping, supporting in those first few weeks while you're on the bed, in the bed, on the bed, yeah. around the bed. <laughs> yeah, because it sounds quite a lot mm. to, to be on around the bed for 15 days. Yeah. It's like, really? Do you really need that? And I, I really think that you do yeah. need to take that, that slow. There's so much going on in that time. Yeah. Yeah, there is. Uh, but yeah, living at home, that was such a blessing at that time. I didn't have to think about anything, really. That definitely helped me with the slow transition back into life. I actually got to the point where mum asked if I could start doing jobs because I think I milked it for about four months. She's <laughs> like, right, are we still in that period that you're not allowed to do anything? Because um, yeah. I think it's time now. You look fine to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's lovely though to have that support around you definitely yeah I thought yeah if we weren't at home I think I'd have to do a lot more planning around that and how to make that achievable which is probably the reality for most people yeah yeah and are you going to plan visitors for the very next day this time around <laughs> not at all <laughs> I might have to write myself a reminder, mm. like, even if you feel amazing, <laughs> do not do it. Yeah. Did you just feel it was, like, too much in your space? Or, yeah, I know for me, I 
it was just the fact that I thought I had to shower and sort of get into nice clothes and even just that amount of effort to then be able to even hold your baby with, you know, family members like cousins or whoever came over. Um, it was still quite a lot like in those first few weeks. So I think even, even just if you think, oh, it's just, you know, old mate down the road is coming over, it's still quite draining. So to have not have that for the first few weeks, I think is really great because you can just be in your pajamas full time and just do what needs to be done, especially like while breastfeeding is being established and, and all those things are happening. Yeah, I definitely agree. Having to get your body out, and you know, if you're comfortable doing that in front of those particular yeah. visitors, I just felt I couldn't even hold a conversation. There was mm. so much going on, mm-hmm. and I got tired really quickly yeah, right. when the baby needed. I really needed to sleep. Yeah. I was recovering. Yeah. Sure, it was four and a half hours, but that was an intense yeah. four and a half hours. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Like just, I know they say sleep and the baby sleeps, but especially those first few days, if you can, while baby's still having those like longer newborn naps, um, even if they're on you just to rest rather than having, yeah, engaging your mind in all this conversation. Yeah, and I think that that's where that that line can get uh, thrown a bit out of uh, perspective. Um, And that's why that planning around that postpartum phase and how you can get max help um, so that you can achieve that in those early days because yeah yeah, you definitely don't do that later sleep when the baby's (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so throughout your post also and a little bit of what we've been talking through now is yeah I feel like you've got a really good uh sense of like listening to your body and like your intuition on how to do things and yeah so I like do you find that your intuition has like peaked a bit during pregnancy I know some some people say that their intuition just like goes through the roof when they're pregnant um yeah or just a little bit more about how how you connect with your body how you connect with your baby during this time yeah I I didn't realize how um spiritual Mm. pregnancy could be and in that first pregnancy, I um, was on a 10-week wānanga with a ropu in Hawke's Bay. And the way they described it when you are hapu is that you have this direct connection to source mm. inside your body. Yeah. And it, it's no wonder you're operating in, in this different level Um And that's really what got me thinking a bit differently. I was doing all these things that I never really do, like meditating, breathing, talking to my baby. Um, I produced my own affirmation cards. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was a while. (laughs) Um, And I think that was the beginning of uh, connecting with myself and my baby on a much deeper level than I ever knew was possible. And I kind of wanted to chase that post uh, birth, and the only way I I actually stumbled across um, tracking my menstrual cycle in a more um, mindful way, and that's actually what got me even more in tune in trusting myself for a free birth this pregnancy, and choosing not to um, take on outside help. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've had no tests, no scans, 
no, nothing this pregnancy. That's been a full um, trust in myself and my baby. Uh, and yeah, I put that down to really diving into the menstrual cycle and leaning into those ebbs and flows that come through the month. Mm. Top that off with another baby inside, so I'm connected to source again. Yeah. And yeah, here we go. Yeah. Um, but surprisingly, I haven't done as much meditating or I haven't relied on my affirmation cards as heavily this time. It's really just been trying to be still and connecting to the movements and just being intentional with how I live out my day-to-day mm. life. Mm. And yeah. and that's overflowed now into your mothering of your first baby, I can imagine, like just that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> peaceful, peaceful, well, peacefulness of pregnancy, trying to bring that into uh, hanging out with a toddler every day. <laughs> So how did you um, how did you start tracking your your cycle? Did you just take out a piece of paper and start writing down how you feel feel, or did you have like some sort of a structure? Because I know lots of people, um, yeah, don't yet know who that's a thing that they can do is track how they're feeling throughout the month. Yeah, I stumbled across um, a book named Period Queen hmm. by Lucy Peaches. And it gave me another perspective on the the way that we function and operate, I guess, um, compared to what you get taught through high school and college. Um, and it was so refreshing and so simple and it made so much sense. So I put that together with, um, I was using a tracking app on my phone at the same time. Um, and... I would put those two together um, more to track my feelings and my mood and how I was moving my body and how that all um, comes into play for each other. Yeah. And now you just have that sort of deeper understanding of your body, I suppose, firstly, then coming into pregnancy. And now, like you say, pregnancy connected straight to source through little, yeah, little baby. Um, yeah. Amazing. And it definitely was that because I learned to listen to the signs and the signals of my body and blocking out this uh, outside noise that it's not okay to rest. Mm -hmm. Like my body is telling me to rest, so I'm going to honor that. And that is okay if nobody else understands mm -hmm. that. Um, I'm, I'm someone who really likes to trial and error and find out through experience. So I was like, well, if I don't try it, I'm not going to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that I think is what has helped this pregnancy mm. turning into the, the feelings, the movements, mm. the okay, I really need to rest now. Mm -hmm. And it's it's okay to rest. Yeah. It, exactly. <laughs> it's okay to rest. <laughs> Even if there's yeah. no like reason for resting, just if your body telling yeah. you. Yeah, no perceived yeah. reason yeah. to rest. Yeah. 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 Your body is enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, and how do you think not having any tests or scans has helped you more to tune into your body? Like, do you think if you'd had the scans, do you think that it would have interrupted things a little bit? Or, yeah, what was what was your choice around not doing them? Was it because you're so fully in sync with, with, with your body? Or was it just a... <laughs> I think it really... 
comes down to a trial and error yeah. thing <laughs> and just trying to do something different mm. and see if I come out the other side mm. healthy, yeah. happy, because, it, um, yeah, taking the path less traveled and going against all the opinions and the naysayers that say, oh, but you must do this, but you must do this, otherwise you won't know. But uh, I do know now, now that we're almost at the end. Yeah. Um, is it for everybody? Def- uh, I think it can be for everybody, but is everybody ready for that? Mm-hmm. That's the... Yeah. And also things yeah. like whether you have supportive midwives or your, your, you know, your team around you, whether they're supportive of it is going to impact then whether you go, oh, okay, maybe I do need to have it. Yes, there's so many factors. But that's great that you yeah. seem to have come to that decision yourself and you've got the the, the full the full midwife team to support you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all worked out perfectly. Yeah. So in terms of your birth plan, because I saw you put that online the other day, um, was there anything in there that you thought was specifically I know because yeah, every birth plan should be unique to the person, definitely. Um but have you hired a TENS machine or are you doing any specific breathing techniques? Have you got a pool? What are those sorts of details that you're planning? Not that you can plan everything in the end, Ooh. but what, what do you think you might yeah. need? <laughs> yeah. Uh, as for preferences, yeah. I, I um, have booked in a birth pool. Mm-hmm. However, I wasn't that fussed on it the first time. So I'm going to have it in case I need it this time because you never know what I might need this yeah. time. And you can change your mind um, right then. You can decide whether it's water or exactly. not. Exactly. Exactly. I can get in, I can get yeah. out. Uh, and that's what was one of the important things to me on my preferences list is that I have free movement and I can intuitively move. And I think because I'd spent money on the pool last time and I like to get my money's worth out of things, <laughs> I stayed in the pool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, did yeah, it was just nice to bring a wet- the first time around? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did. I only got in about 40 minutes before he was born, but, I, yeah, it was. I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's for the other preferences. Uh, I've written that I wish to have no Doppler... Um, or checking of the heart rate. Um, But we discuss using the purple line theory, which is, I should just explain it anyway. Um, When baby's head is moving through. Do you need to go? I I heard it. Can you hear that? I thought I heard a crying baby, and I'm like, is it a crying baby on my side or on your side? (laughs) Hello. Hello. You've come to join us. Hello. Oh, a little sleepy. If you need to go off and put back to bed or do whatever, that is perfectly fine. Or we can just carry on chatting, whatever you like. What do you, what, what, we'll try what would you, what would you normally do now? Um, do you normally go try and put him back huh? to sleep? No, that that's about okay. as long as we get for now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Then you can join us. You that might. would be lovely. Yeah, have your input. Yeah, we're just talking about your birth. Yeah. Mm. 
how you made it into the world. Is he a swimmer? Does he like does he like water? Mm. Loves water. Do you love water? Absolutely. And is that the reason why you chose a birth pool? Is that why you thought you would enjoy it? Yeah, actually. <laughs> mm. And then with all the information of you know, it's great for pain management and all of that. Yeah, I thought yeah, the pool's right for me. But I, I just felt like I was sitting in a pool of lava. It was oh, burning wow. hot. Yeah. I mean, every time I'd try to sink lower or change positions, I would just feel like I was burning, so I'd have to get up again. Mm. Yeah. That's why I felt restricted mm. in, in the pool. Yeah. And then I thought this time, oh, I might like a, a land birth. But um, everything down there is so swollen. <laughs> with so much blood flow at the moment that I thought, oh, maybe I won't be able to hold a squat or. <laughs> yeah. Who knows what we'll, what we'll experience. Yeah. And then I think you mentioned, which I think is so wonderful, like whatever baby chooses will be the right way that the birth happens. Like I think, you know, and also you trusting in your body and that you, you know, intuitively moving, um, whether it's in the pool, out the pool, halfway in, halfway in, halfway out. Maybe that's what it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. That's what fascinates me is, well, one, that it could be even quicker than four and a half hours. That blows my mind. Mm. It could also be longer as well. <laughs> uh, but the fact that it could be an hour, two hours is like wild. Yeah. Um, and, and at the time that I had the conversation with my parents about having to have a midwife, yeah, a bit of panic came over me, but at the same time I reminded myself that as much as we try to control stuff in the outside world, this baby already has a plan. I choose to believe that they already have a plan and that the way that they want to come into this world, they will be the one to decide who will be witness and who will be present yeah. at the birth. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you think so, older, yeah, older, older brother, older brother might older brother be present? He will highly, highly likely to be present. in the pool swimming. You'd be like, "Oh, hold on, can I jump in? Excuse me, is there space for me?" Yep. <laughs> He'll probably be in the pool, and I'll be out of the yeah. pool. Yeah, but we'll both be living our best lives. Yeah. True. Yeah. <laughs> Are you doing elimination communication? Aren't you? A little bit of it. No, you're doing. Oh, yeah. When he was, I think, six weeks old. And we did it part-time until he was about eight months old. Mm -hmm. Then it just got really hard and I was overwhelmed with trying to put a lot on my plate. So I let that go. Um, And then recently, yeah, we started toilet learning. Mm. So they say these days instead of learning, toilet learning. Yeah, and you've come along really well. Mm. Just waking up from your nap. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. Oh, well, we will have to have another follow-up one after the birth to see how it all played out. Oh, yeah. So exciting. Yeah. And what have you got planned, if anything, over the next few weeks? Are you just taking it slow and hanging out with with your number one before it'll become two? Yeah, that's quite a big thing to bring into the awareness too that he's going to be a big mm-hmm. I won't see him as my baby anymore potentially <laughs> there'll be a new baby 
But um, we've just finished house sitting, so I felt it was a good reset and timing to come back in to a more comfortable space and really start preparing for whenever this birth might occur. And my plan is to get my postpartum preferences on paper and have some big discussions with everyone yeah. in the home about how that can best work for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, so important yeah. having that discussion, isn't it? Because we can have it in our heads, and I think we do that a lot as, as mothers, is we have everything in our heads, and then we can sometimes forget that we need to communicate it to other people, because <laughs> they're kind of crucial as part of the entire plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Considering, yeah, I'm just the one sitting there trying to rest yeah. and connect with them. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's crucial that everybody else is in on the plan. <laughs> yeah. And how was your breastfeeding journey first time around? Was it those first few weeks were quite challenging or? Um, I didn't find them challenging at all. But if someone else was maybe in my position, they might have found it challenging. One of the things I did in the lead up to birth was YouTube videos on how to breastfeed because everyone had said how challenging it can be. So I thought, well, I might as well try and get a head start. And YouTube open again and put some breastfeeding videos on there. Yeah. <laughs> YouTube's my go to. How do you latch them on and how do you troubleshoot this? Um, so when he was born, I was like, let me do it. I'll, I can do this. <laughs> uh, and I didn't find out till he was five months old old that he had a mild tongue tie so um we used nipple shields for quite a few months actually but it didn't really phase me I just that was my normal mm. but I can imagine that could be quite stressful for mm. someone else yeah 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 I really love your perspective like yeah just how you seem to use everything as like a, an opportunity for growth or for like, how can I learn from this? Or how can I, yeah, how can I move past it rather than, yeah, you don't be the, seem to be the type of person to get weighed down by things. It's rather, how can I get through rather than, oh, how can I, how can I give up? Which I think is um, yeah, yeah. really cool. And then that just, you know, opens up the opportunities for, for all that change that can happen during pregnancy and as a mother. Yeah. How did you how Definitely. did you find the transition from sorry, you carry on saying what you're gonna say, but yeah, from from maiden to mother, like before having children to being a mother, was that quite a shift also for you or just sort of Yeah, I had a wall about two weeks in where I just absolutely <laughs> bawled my eyes out because I realised, oh the old me doesn't exist <laughs> anymore. Which is okay. It's it's actually okay because you've acquired all these new learnings and new skills that going backwards wouldn't be helpful in this new phase mm. either. Um, yeah, that really hit me hard. And it does take you a while to find your feet and find what you like again because you, yeah, I feel like you also have an opportunity in that early motherhood to discard things in your life that really don't bring meaning or joy anymore you realize how precious time is that you yeah hone in on what is actually really important to you yeah. this process in itself <laughs> I'm kind of jealous I'm like oh I want to be pregnant again 
Yeah, see, I wondered if I would feel like that again after this baby's born, because I did get to a point where I'm like, oh, I'm so over this, but yeah, I, I that's nice to hear <laughs> that you get that feeling back again if you're not, if you're not carrying. <laughs> no, I definitely did. I think I was quite lucky with my pregnancies, they were quite, they, yeah, they were, they were good, so, yeah. That is love. And I wish more women could have experiences like And that wraps up episode one. If you'd like to find out more about Chloe and follow her on her journey, all the information is in the show notes. And stay tuned for a future episode of This Is Birth, where we will talk to her about the birth of her second baby. I cannot wait. Thank you for listening.